This week on Here For Now, Lila Strauss. Lila is a freelance creative producer and all-around badass. Lila and I talk about creative work in a corporate setting versus the same work in a freelance setting. We discuss the agency freelance work gives you to set boundaries and stick up for yourself. Lila also shares about how a serious injury changed her perspective on life. All that and more coming up on Here For Now. Describe an experience in your life that changed your values. You know, I think when I moved to Thailand to teach English, that was a moment that definitely just changed my perspective on life. And I think it, for the first time, it really forced me to like look at my whiteness, to be honest. You know, I grew up in Golden, Colorado, which is a very white place. Like there was a lot of socioeconomic difference in Golden when I was growing up, you know, trailer park kids and then some really, really wealthy people as well. Just a lot of whiteness. And so moving to Thailand, you know, I'm like a 22-year-old girl, like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to go to Thailand. I'm just going to like hang out on the beach. And, you know, I see all these like girls in their bikinis just (laughs) enjoying the Thai life, this beach life. But then when I got there, it was completely different. I was in the middle of the country. There was no ocean anywhere. And it was just authentically Thai. I was just a group of white folks there. So that was, I think, a moment that definitely just changed the way I saw myself and the way I saw other people where I was like, oh, shit, this world is really big. It's bigger than where I grew up. It's bigger than what I even know. And, you know, being pointed at and being called Farang, which means like foreigner, white person, it was just like really eye-opening and interesting to be put in that position to be the minority for once and I think especially you know living in the United States and really going through this time that we're seeing right now which is almost like the second wave of civil rights that's a really important thing for I think white people to experience I don't know how my values maybe changed but I think it just allowed me to kind of soften and open up and realize that you know um There's just other people out there and you just need to be kinder, more compassionate and softer in just how you hold yourself and in conversations and just how you learn about other people and other cultures and taking the time to maybe have your mind and your earth shattered in that way, right, from what you know. Yeah, I think having those earth shattering moments is is harder to find sometimes. And, you know, you're 22 years old, you go move to Thailand. How long were you there? I was there for about six months. So you, you went to Thailand for six months and that's an earth shattering experience, but it's almost like with, with COVID, the world's gotten a little bit smaller mm-hmm. and, you know, now things are starting to open back up and travel is an opportunity again. And it's hard to have those moments now. Like you have to make really conscious decisions to find that space and to learn and grow from those experiences. Taking a step back, you mentioned Thailand, but how did you get to where you are now? I grew up... Kind of just like a classic Coloradoan, skiing, snowboarding, being outside. Went to high school in Golden, you know, played team sports. And then senior year of high school, I joined 
this kind of group, I guess. It was called Senior Seminar. It was an experiential learning program when I was a senior in high school. Absolutely fascinating program. We did not stay in the classroom, unlike all the other kids senior year. We learned our our curriculum through real life experiences. So our science trip was in California where we studied tide pools. We went to the desert and we volunteered on the Navajo reservation. We went into some schools in the Navajo reservation. You know, we learned about different cultures um, within America itself. We visited cultural sites like Canyon de Chez. But yeah, so this experiential learning program, you know, I think that's really what shaped me into my adulthood until, or at least at this point in my life. Uh, it really allowed me to get out and experience the world. It made me question, again, my identity, who I was, what I liked, what I wanted out of my life. I wanted to explore. That was a really cool program. It was really amazing. And then from there, I went to CU Boulder. I majored in communications with a minor in technology, arts, and media. So a very creative minor where I learned computer programming. I learned uh, the Adobe Creative Suite, a little bit of film, photography, and then the communications major, you know, was very much organizational calm and interpersonal calm. So how people just interact with one another, really. After I graduated, I had this silly job right out of college where I was working for a recruitment firm that recruited doctors, hospitalists specifically, into hospitals with needs. So if they didn't have a resident doctor or let's say their doctors were on vacation, they had to fill those weeks because you have to have doctors in hospitals at all times. So that was a really interesting job, but definitely not what I wanted to do. My path in college was a bit more creative, you know, more creative writing, using the Adobe Creative Suite, and then I went into something just completely boxed in, definitely fascinating, but not creative at all. So I feel like I kind of lost myself there, but I was only there for a year. And then after that, you know, I kind of went back to my roots of this experiential learning program, senior seminar, and wanting to explore the world. So I decided to move to Thailand and teach English. I thought maybe I wanted to be a teacher like my parents. It seemed like a good career path, um, working with kids, teaching them things, whatever that may be, English. You know, I wanted to explore that path. Um, so I went to Thailand, taught English. It was crazy. It was eye-opening. It was incredibly humbling, very hard, you know, being in a different culture and just completely removed from what you know is always pretty shocking, especially once you do it. Like you have this idea in your head and then it's actually not what you expected at all. But when those types of things happens, like happen, it just, it becomes really beautiful. Like you have these really beautiful moments where you really learn about yourself and like find different teachings within these moments. And what was your experience like when you came back to the States after being in Thailand for six months? Yeah, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was completely lost. I mean, the culture shock is so true. You know, people always talk about culture shock and it couldn't be more real than when you actually come back. I think when you go out there, there's culture shock because it's so new, but it's all like very exciting. You've never experienced any of like this newness before. And then you come back home and everything was as it was when you left it, right? Your family's the same, which is great. But then, you know, the cars on the road are the same. Everything that you knew... Their lives haven't changed that much within six months and yours has. So I think that's like a really 
crazy thing to come back to. So I had no idea what I wanted to do. I basically worked in a restaurant for two years after I came back because I was so lost. You know, I thought I wanted to be a teacher and then I realized I didn't want to be a teacher. I knew I wanted to go back into the creative field, but I wasn't sure how or what to do. You know, I've never been super great at the Adobe Creative Suite or just at computers in general. Um, Technology, I wouldn't say, is my strong suit. Um, I'm better working with people and talking to people. And so I knew that I wanted to work with people on some level and more in the creative space. I just wasn't entirely sure how to get there. And then I found Cody. Just kidding. I found Cody earlier, but he helped me (laughs) get into that creative space. He introduced me to production. He's like, you know, just go try it because he was doing film and photo and he was working on some really cool projects. And I thought, well, shit, why not? Like production seems like a great way to get into the space while working with people and handling logistics. And yeah, it just allowed me to kind of find myself. And that's really the path I'm on now. And now I'm a producer. You ended up kind of finding the creative space through the people that you were surrounded by. There's the the phrase that talks about look at the people around you and that's like the success that you will achieve. I think there's a lot of truth to that. But I think outside of that statement, like if you remove the success idea, a lot of people think of it in terms of money or the things that you have and and for me, I certainly think of it differently. But if you remove that idea of success, you still end up being heavily influenced by the people you spend your time with. In my life, I've been able to really pursue things that I'm passionate about and find things that I'm passionate about because of these other people that are around me. And it sounds like you had a similar experience. Very much so. I think it's. I think you make a really interesting and valid point where as humans, we like to be challenged and... I think even with this idea of success and what we, you know, how we perceive success for ourselves can really come from the people we surround ourselves with. And I think especially with our group of friends and the people that we're around, it it's a different idea of success than what most people have. And going back to Cody, I mean, he's been such a huge influence on my life and Cody was the first one I think you interviewed in the show. Yeah, Cody Coleman, first first episode. Yeah, exactly. And Cody Coleman, he's my fiance. So we're actually getting married in September. But, you know, through him I found I found a lot of things that I love. And he's really challenged me, which has been a great thing. And that's been on my bicycle. That's been on my snowboard. That's been with my job and what I want to do. You know, he's asked me a lot of tough questions and he's asked me to do a lot of hard things that I wouldn't have done otherwise. And so I think through his tough love and through all the love that he gives me, I've actually become more successful as a person. Yeah, I think through the group that we surround ourselves with, just success in my eyes is different than like what you said, that's just money or what you own. You know, it's more about who you surround yourself with, what you do with the knowledge that you have. Is there a a recipe for finding those people because I struggled finding my community or just people that ask hard questions and push me in a direction that I didn't know I wanted to go in. Is there like, how do you, if you don't have it, what do you do? At least how I feel the recipe is you got to try a lot of people out before you find the people that you truly love and like. It's like with any relationship, right? Whether you're lovers or it's platonic. You go through some really shitty relationships and you are friends with toxic people or you're in a relationship that doesn't suit you. And I think through every relationship that doesn't work, 
you move closer to the relationships that actually matter in your life because you truly find out what you want and who you want to surround yourself with and kind of what energy you want because the folks who you know kind of exude negativity that's what they get back right their lives aren't as happy and you can see that in how they kind of hold themselves and posture or how uh, they talk about things and of course you know like it's easy to be cynical and pessimistic. There's a lot of hard things that go on in this life, right? And thus we have to ask challenging questions of ourselves. But I think by putting a lot of positivity out there and by really focusing on what you want and what you want to create, then you really attract the right people into your lives. That's something that I have found recently in in my relationships, be it romantic or platonic, it takes practice just to get to the point to recognize you know, you can look back on a past relationship and say, oh, that was a shitty relationship. And I had these bad experiences, but it's it's taken me a lot of practice to get to a point to be able to look back and be like, I learned this and that from this experience, and I can take that and I can use it in these new experiences. And it's it's taken like a keen eye to, to notice when that stuff comes into play, but it's really re- rewarding when you are like, hey, that bad time that I had all of a sudden is helping me have this wonderful time. Absolutely. And like you can look at those times as being failures, but I think if you change your perspective, it's actually not a failure. It's more of a success, especially when you look at the life you have now. And if you're in a place where you want to be, you needed those experiences to get there. Because if you didn't have it, how would you have learned? How would you have known? You know, we have to have these hardships to pick ourselves back up to really figure out what we want. You've worked on both sides. You've worked freelance or you're working freelance now, but you've also worked in maybe corporate's not the right word, but you've worked in a in a very large format setting where you had a 401k and a steady paycheck. Uh, I'd love to dig into the differences you've experienced before freelance and after freelance. I, well, I love working. I wouldn't call myself a workaholic to the extreme where maybe people in cities, like that's all they do. They work all the time. But I do. I love to work. It brings me joy. It brings me satisfaction. And it makes me feel like I'm doing a good job and just propelling myself forward. I've been working since I was 16. I've never stopped working. So my first job was in a restaurant as a hostess when I was 16. And then I worked in hospitality basically ever since until I started working in advertising, which side note, I hate advertising, but somehow I'm in it, which is really funny. Um, I tried to major in advertising in school and I took one advertising class and thought this is the worst thing in the entire world, (laughs) which is funny. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) I'm not sure how that happened, but it did. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, so I've been working forever as long as I can pretty much remember. I really have had corporate jobs, as you say, right? My first job out of college was a corporate job. I had the 401k. I made the salary, right? I had all the benefits. Uh, I worked in a cubicle, a legit cubicle. The windows did not open in the office. And I sat in this gray box with a headset. So I did that for a year and then I realized this wasn't for me. And, you know, I think too, my parents are older. They're in their 70s. And so they come from a very like white picket fence America very traditional. You know, their parents grew up, or I guess, you know, they grew up in the 50s. My parents grew up in the 50s. So really interesting time, totally different. 
So they, you know, were teachers their entire lives for 30 odd years. They have a pension. They, you know, had benefits forever. But life has just changed. Our generation has changed and how we perceive work and how we want to work is just different from that. So I definitely grew up, you know, got to have a job, got to have the benefits to be successful, to like live a good life. Um, So I worked all these different jobs that were like that. And then I worked in the restaurant industry, which my parents weren't psyched with. But it's funny because some of my most favorite jobs are actually when I was serving. And I think that's because it was very sociable. I was talking to people all the time. I was in constant movement and I just like vibed with it really hard, but it's very laborious work. So I knew I wanted to get out of that. I didn't want to be on my feet forever, carrying trays, taking orders. It was hard work. And then I wound up in advertising. And then that was really, I guess, my second corporate job. So I worked for a huge advertising agency called Crispin Porter Bogusky, which way back in the day, they basically caged people in this place and they never left and they worked for 24 hours straight. (laughs) So (laughs) kind of a crazy thing. Um, Not quite the same when I was there. And it was a total love-hate relationship. You know, I think at that job, it allowed me, it, it gave me the information and the processes, just the knowledge I needed to go out into freelance to finally take that leap. I was really scared. I was scared shitless to go freelance for a long time because it is a scary thing, right? Like, As you were saying the other day, Josh, it's really interesting because you sign a contract and you're an at-will employee. Like they can fire you anytime. And if they did that, then you would just be left high and dry, not having another job lined up, not knowing what to do. And then you look at freelance and you think, oh, it's so scary jumping into it because when's my next job coming? Am I ever going to work again? But in the end, you kind of do have more security, like you say, because... Yeah, you always have... You're always trying to figure out what's coming next. You know, when you have a secure job, you just... You have a job. And then one day you could not have that job. And a well-prepared person may have backup plans, but we don't always prepare that well, especially creative people. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, uh, it's just... It's a story that I've been telling myself lately that being in charge of your own outcomes and being freelance is significantly more secure because you have the ability to say like, I have this other stuff over here that I know I can fall back on if this other thing isn't working. I can try something else right away. I don't have to learn a new skill. I can just keep doing the thing that I'm doing just over in a different spot. Absolutely. And I love that you bring that up too, because, you know, it makes me think about Crispin again, where of course, you know, love, hate, like absolutely loved my boss, Lisa Lee, and the girls that I worked with. And then there were other people I worked with that I just, I wasn't the biggest fan of, I guess. But, you know, that's besides the point. And what's interesting about that is you work this job, they give you a title. And yeah, you know, you are, when you start anything, you're junior, right? You need to learn um, to become hopefully an expert in it, or at least fake it until you make it. But for a long time, they give you this title. And if you're ready to move upward or forward in a job, it, they kind of bar you from it because they don't give you a raise or they tell you, you haven't had enough experience yet, even though you're ready to make that leap. And with freelance, you can truly be whoever you want to be. Like you can take that leap. You can take those harder jobs. And sometimes you might do a good job. Sometimes you might not do that good, but you're always going to learn from it. And you create new connections with people that you probably wouldn't have otherwise if you stayed in that job. The like whole work-life balance thing is, I think in, in general, in a lot of career paths, work 
and balance with like joy and happiness in your own life is incredibly unhealthy. For sure. It's it's it seems like advertising and in you know the agency world it's it's like you need to work until you can't work anymore and if we call you at 11 p.m. you better be ready to work and that's so draining and so unhealthy mm-hmm. but you flip the coin and you're freelancing and you work all the time still but it's it feels different somehow do you experience that absolutely it feels completely different like as long as you don't load yourself up like you may have done before which I've been new to freelance I did that for these first few months like I loaded myself up with too much work and I was just as stressed out but at least I did it to myself and it wasn't somebody else giving me that work and then I could learn from that and be like okay only take on two jobs at a time you know and even if you have to work let's say some crazy hours you're only working for maybe a week or even if you sign on for a month you know there's an end date and then you can move on or take a break and do something else after. Unlike if you are working for a corporation where they, when they want you, you have to be there. Yeah, you signed you signed on the line. Exactly. They have your life. And it is a weird thing, especially in advertising, where you constantly are making deadlines and you're at the beck and call of clients. And at the end of the day, you're like, I'm selling pizza and I, my sleep is more important than the pepperoni pizza, but somehow I feel like I have to be awake to capture pictures of the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> well, that brings up an interesting topic that I wanted to touch on is, can you compare and contrast like how your anxieties about work have changed from working in the commercial uh, like corporate space versus what your anxieties are like now as a freelancer? doing the same job how have they changed how are they the same (laughs) yeah totally like honestly I feel like my anxieties are probably still pretty much the same I'm definitely like a pretty anxious person and I worry a lot even though (laughs) I try to tell myself not to because it all ends up okay it always does I think it just comes down to me wanting to do like such a good job that sometimes I make myself myself sick over it which is not great but I think the difference is when you're working full time for a company, like you said, you signed your name on the dotted line. So when they ask you to do something, you have to do something. You have to respond immediately. You have to show that you're always there and willing because if you're not, oh, you could get fired. You could lose it all. And that's a really scary thing. Yeah. When you're at an agency, you sign your name on that dotted line. And if you don't do the work, you fear for losing your job, for doing, you know, for letting your team down. And in those scenarios, a lot of times letting your team down could literally not be responding to an email that came at an absurd hour of the day. Exactly. Like it could, yeah, it could be at night, like why while you're cooking dinner or when you're asleep. I used to get emails at 1 a.m. And I wouldn't respond because I was sleeping and it'd be like, well, how am I supposed to give this to you? I'm not I'm not going to stay awake all night to get you this thing thing you know I'll get it to you in the morning but yeah I I don't know the anxieties are just they're the same but they're different I think you work a freelance job and of course you want to work with certain people again and you want to do a good job but I think if it let's say if you didn't do the best job it's going to be okay if you don't work with those people again like you're going to make enough contacts and you're going to work other jobs that you do well in where people are going to want to work with you again when it's that end point that you were talking about that makes things a little bit different. 
you're in the middle of a freelance job and you're making dinner and you're relaxing mm -hmm. and something comes in, you're like, oh, this is happening right now. I'm working on this job. I need to like do this. Totally. But you're also, is you're not setting this unlimited precedent for the future. You have an end date to your freelance job, but when you work the corporate job, you start answering emails at one in the morning and then the yeah. entire time that you work there all of a sudden you're expected to answer those emails because you did it the one time and this is I'm, I'm more speaking from hearing like stories from you and other people totally that have worked in a similar space and it's like that's so unhealthy now that you're freelancing are you trying to make more of separation between those things or are you more willing to put that work in because of the end point i think it could go both ways you know i i just spoke to somebody recently um, about a potential job. I didn't end up getting it, but it's totally fine. They ended up hiring a full-time producer instead. Um, but, you know, they were asking about my availability. And I said, you know, I'm available these dates, but I'm going on some vacations. And they said, okay, cool. Like, you can answer emails day and night when you're on these vacations. And I said, no. And I think at this point, being freelance, I'm my own boss. Even if I'm working under somebody else who hires me, I don't feel scared for setting boundaries and sticking up for myself at this point. And especially when I worked at Crispin, even though you had unlimited vacation, what does that actually mean? Because if you said no to somebody there, especially your higher ups, that wouldn't fly. And again, then you're totally fearful the entire time of losing your job. You know, there's this weird fear factor, which is completely unhealthy. And now I don't have that. You know, of course, I want to do a good job, like I said, but setting boundaries and sticking up for yourself and actually being your own boss is super liberating. And I think it also goes back to how you have a title at a job. Like when I was at Crispin, I was a junior producer and I was a junior producer for a while, even though I felt like I should be promoted because I showed up 100% of the time and it just wasn't happening. And so it's like I had all these you know, folks higher up than me that would tell me what to do. And I felt like I had to do it. Like I was their subordinate. And now I don't feel that way, which is super cool. Being a, a producer in the creative space, it's not always thought of as being a creative position, but I've always said that creativity is more about problem solving than it is about being able to draw or take a, a good photograph. Your job is literally problem solving. Has the removal from that space helped you be more creative? Absolutely. I mean, it's really cool that I get to work with you and I get to work with Cody and I get to work with Andrew Bidlin and all of our close friends who really care about everybody's opinions and do believe that, you know, everyone is creative in their own right and has something to bring to the table. Because I think in the agency world, again, when you have titles, I think it separates people. And I think that can be a really big pitfall or downfall, you know, because Right now, I do. I feel more creative where I can give input. And if people don't agree with it, that's fine. It's just, it's agree to disagree and let's problem solve, like you said, and move forward and find the best solution. And I think, especially coming from a production role where we are the ones budgeting and hiring the creative for the most part, it's important to be in conversations from the beginning of any creative ideation because from there, the whole team can problem solve and you can really bring realities to the table of, you know, what can we make with this budget? What can we do? And from there, you know, other 
amazing ideas can come out of that instead of being just the yes man, which I was told to be at the last agency when some things were absolutely impossible. And you never want to be the one to be, you never want to be the one giving bad news or saying no. And it makes you the bad guy, which really in the end, it should be creative collaboration where nobody should be the bad guy. It should just be, again, agree to disagree. Let's work towards a better creative solution so that we can create something amazing together. Teamwork is better than just saying yes or no. I agree. Some of my most rewarding experiences in my career have been when I've been working with a team of people and you feel like you can talk to them and communicate with them about yes. whatever, you know, something happens and you're like, oh no, like what are we going to do about this? And you're able to sit down or, or grab somebody and be like, all right, we, I don't know what to do. <laughs> can you help me figure this out? And they're like, let's grab so-and-so and we'll like figure it out together. Those are the most Absolutely. rewarding experiences I've ever had in my career. And I like look for those opportunities to have that either to facilitate it or to just be a part of that in the future. Absolutely. And, you know, everybody is creative in their own right. I believe everybody should have a chance to put that creativity out there because, again, you might end up creating some of the best work that you've ever made. And so outside of the professional space, I'm of the same belief that everybody has this creative ability. How do you practice creativity outside of work? I mean, I wish I could honestly say that I'm do a lot of creative things outside of work. I don't do that much. I don't do that many, excuse me, creative things outside of work. Honestly, I love cooking. I think that's a huge creative outlet for me. Uh, my mom's an incredible cook, so I learned from her on how to pair food and what goes well together. I think it's a really fun thing to do, and it is very creative in its own right. Um, I also love eating, so that's probably one of the reasons why I like cooking so much. I also love to read, and even though it's not me journaling or doing the writing, it, to me, opens up a creative space of where instead of, let's say, watching a movie when I'm reading a book, I create this whole world in my head. It's like going back into childhood almost and imagining things, right? You're working with your imagination, even though you're reading the words from a page, um, so I do love reading. Sometimes I knit, but I wouldn't call myself a knitter. I picked that up after my injury because some people told me it was nice to do and you have nothing else to do. So I started to knit a little bit. You know, I like being outside. I love doing yoga. Yoga is a creative outlet outlet as well, even though it's more about like movement and breath. I did teach yoga for a while as well. And Putting together an asana practice is definitely very creative in its own right. So I love that too. I also love music. I don't play it, but I like to listen to it a lot. You don't always have to be doing something creative to get like the creative juices out of an experience. So you talked about picking up knitting during an injury. Tell me about this injury that you experienced. Oh, yes, my injury. So I've been snowboarding my whole life ever since I was 10. Started skiing, then went to snowboarding. Grew up in Colorado, pretty close to the mountains. So, of course, I was going to play in the snow because that's what you do in the winter because it's so fun. A about a year and a half ago, I got in a pretty crazy accident snowboarding. It didn't look like a crazy accident. I was with my dad at Copper, and I just took a wrong toe side turn, and somehow I shattered my ankle into a lot of pieces. Broke my tibia, well, shattered my tibia, and then broke my fibula. Um, right at the ankle joint. So I like to give the analogy 
that my ankle smushed like a sandwich, like two pieces of bread just smushing something right in the middle of it. Oh, wow. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Yeah, it's been it's been a journey. Um, I have to say the injury definitely, definitely changed who I am as a person, for sure. How so? You know, it's funny going back to that question. I want to say the first question about how my values changed as a person. I don't know. I don't know if any of my values changed after my injury, but definitely, definitely my outlook on life and I guess your strong will or my strong will, let's say, or sense of survival, how it changed. Um, for any of you out there listening, if you've had a major injury, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Once you're injured and you can't walk and you can't do the things that you really liked to do before. And your body's changed and it's changed forever, right? My new, I have a new ankle. It's never going to be the same way. My mobility has decreased and just the way I walk is different. The way I fit in shoes is different. Everything's just different basically. But that doesn't mean it's for the worse, right? Like I felt like when I broke my ankle, I was just getting really good at snowboarding and now I'm kind of back to square one. But that's okay. I think you look at things in a different light. So back to just like this strong sense of survival or this like strong will. When you go through something where, you know, you can't walk and you're in pain and... You have to be on drugs and you like, you're just immobile basically. You have to find other ways to live and to be happy. And that may be knitting or that may be making music or maybe reading, playing games, journaling, looking at the sky, finding details in the mundane, finding beauty out of that. And there's a lot of moments that are going to be really hard and super depressing and you may cry a lot. But then out of that, you realize how beautiful life is and how important your relationships are. Yeah, I just think injury gives you a new perspective on life that you didn't have before. Like you're going about and it's like all jolly and you're like, woo woo, everything's like cool. I can move and I'm young and like things are awesome. And then something crazy happens and then you're like, oh, we're like, let's rethink this. Like, how do I see life now? So when you were recovering from this injury, did you find a new level of tryhard in your life? For sure, definitely. So I've been in PT for a year and a half for as long as my injury. I go every week. I do my exercises all the time, which I never really did before. Like I liked being outside and I would do stuff, but I've never been one to just like squat on my own. And now I do a lot of squats <laughs> because... You know, I want to get back to some semblance of what I was able to do before. Even through that, even though that's all in workout terms, you know, I think the level of try hard and just anything, you have to continue pushing forward and you can't stop unless you want to get better. In injury terms, if you don't put in the work to heal, then you're basically going to be crippled forever. I was going to ask where the motivation comes from, but you just... <laughs> Being able to use your body the way that you want to is is a good motivation. <laughs> exactly. And like that could go with the same thing with your mind or like how we're saying you have to exercise the brain because, it, you know, I guess it's not a muscle, but like it could act like that. Right. We need we need to exercise it to to just keep our wits about us and we need to move our body so that we don't get achy so our joints don't hurt and we 
as people, we like challenges and we like moving forward and progression. And so, yeah, I think it definitely gave me more motivation in life and in just my job and who I am and just, yeah, in the try hard, just in the day to day. When we started talking a little bit about how previous life experiences somehow maybe bad experiences in the past translate to positive experiences in the future. And it's, you know, it's impossible to see when you're going through the bad stuff, how it's going to help you later. Even if you say like, Oh, like this is going to be better. If you say that to yourself in the mirror every morning, it still doesn't like hit until you actually have that experience. And it sounds like your experience with breaking your ankle has translated heavily into all the other aspects of your life. Yeah, absolutely. It it definitely has. But I think after breaki- breaking my ankle, I've tried to be softer with myself. It's hard. If I'm not good at something right away, I get really frustrated. But that's also a crazy thing to think, like to think in general, because if you don't know how to do something, you're not going to be good at it immediately. Right. But it's such a common <laughs> right. difficulty. Like I think a lot of people sit in that camp. It's like, I want to yeah. be good at this right away. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think after this too, it's, you know, it's okay to move slower and it's okay to feel. And if you feel like shit one day, just acknowledge it and be like, this kind of sucks, but it's going to be okay. Tomorrow will be a new day. What can I do to be softer and kinder to myself and to, you know, go into tomorrow just feeling better and making it better? Yeah, the injury thing has, it's been crazy. It's been a challenge and it's definitely allowed me to, yeah, view myself a little bit kinder. Especially for those of us that are hard on ourselves very often. We could all benefit from being a little more kind to ourselves. I've had a bit of a mantra lately just from like a journal entry where I drew Mantras a little... Mantras are the best. I drew a little snail and it just says, take time, go slow. I love that. That's amazing. I mean, that's very yogic of you, honestly. And I still believe that everybody needs yoga in their lives. Um And that doesn't mean the asana practice of yoga. Like yoga is truly a thought practice. It's meditation. It's breathing. We all breathe every day. So we could all be a bit more in tune with how we breathe. It can just really change your perspective or having a mantra or having positive affirmations. Before my injury and actually right before I started working at Crispin, I had a mantra every time I took a yoga class and I would say, learn, create, cultivate to myself. And I repeated that for a year and all these things fell into place. And so I think if you have mantras, you actually are able to manifest what you want. Because again, that goes back to the idea of what we were talking about earlier is that type of energy that you bring in and that you put that you actually actually that type of energy that you put out there is what you bring in. So I think even repeating certain things or having the snail to go slow and to remind yourself of these these moments um, to take for yourself. It's super positive and it actually creates or gives you the opportunity to live the life you want. Learn, create, cultivate. Lila brings a great perspective on creating and using mantras to move forward and meet aspirations. You can learn more about Lila and her work at lilaann.com. Here for Now is solely supported by its listeners. If you feel inclined to contribute to this podcast, 
Head over to middlewell.com backslash here for now and look for that donation button. We're going to keep this thing going, so check back for new episodes every other Monday. Until then, happy trails.